he is in the midst of them, I believe God's going to do something. And then we'll, we're in the middle, we're at the actually end of a series called Summer Revival. Because I know, and if you're even watching outside in the state of the nations, in the state of the world, you can see it too. The world has never been at a place where it needs more of a revival than right now. But a lot of times we get in the concept of what revival is and we get the wrong concept. We think revival is when we start filling up pews and we start filling up auditoriums. That's not what a revival is. A revival is, that's what you call evangelism. Revival is when something on the inside of you that maybe has dwindled or faded. Something on the inside of you that has gotten a little cold or a little old. Something on the inside of you that has allowed the law of familiarity to make this life that we are called to live in become normal. God reawakens that again. He rekindles the flame. He gives you your passion back. He gives you your joy back. He gives you your life back. And so today, I'm closing this series out called How to Live This Life. How to Live a Revival. And, you know, because there were times where I would, I, in my Christian walk, I found myself just going through the motions. I don't know if you've ever been there where you're just going through the motions. Now, there were times that I wasn't disciplined enough to do that. And there would be times when I would, it's like my passion would dwindle or my, my fervency would drain. Or I would just, for lack of a better word, just get tired. And I would find myself, there were times where I didn't have the discipline to keep going through the motions. So I'd find myself falling out. Of the motion. But then as I continued to walk with the Lord, I got stronger and stronger, more mature in my walk. And then I learned that during those times where maybe the passion was gone, I would find myself just going through the motions, waiting, hoping that eventually I was going to be reignited or reflamed. And it would be in a situation or a circumstance that would happen. And then God would do it and I would get the zeal or passion back. But it usually had a price to pay it in those situations for me. It was either tragedy or need. But then, as I walked with the Lord longer, I found I don't have to, when I find myself in those situations, wait for tragedy or need to draw me back into a place of desperacy for God. I can stir, as Paul said, the gift that God's put on the inside of me, myself. And I'm hoping and praying that that's what these services in the last few weeks of summer revival uh, has been. It's been making you aware of how to stir those flames, how to breathe on the coals that God has ignited on the inside of you. And so today we're going to jump right into at Mark 6, and I'm going to read it with you, and then we're going to tear across into it, because I'm pumped about what we're going to be doing outside here today. I'll talk a little bit more about it in just a little bit. It says, and then the apostles, Mark chapter 6, verse 30, it says, and then the apostles gathered to Jesus. And told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they, not even, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in a boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran there on foot from the, all the cities. And they arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw the great multitude, and was moved with compassion for them, because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach many things. And when that day, and when the day was now was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already are the hour is late. Send them away, that they may go into a surrounding village and buy themselves bread, for they have not nothing to eat. And he answered and said to them, Give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And they found out, and they found out, and they said to him, Five loaves, two fishes. And then he commanded them to make them all sit down on the ground, sit down in groups on the green grass. 
So they sat in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and he gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate till they were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments of the fish. Now that, And now those who had eaten the loaves were about five thousand men. I want to jump into um, just a little bit of the history here. Uh, this is one of the only um, miracles that Jesus performed that appears in all four of the Gospels. It's an amazing account because all four of the authors of the Gospels took this miracle and they recorded it. And when something find, you find a miracle in all four of the Gospels, you can pretty much lay this principle to it that this applies to everyone. This applies to anyone at any state because the four different personalities being flowed through the anointing of the Holy Spirit right in the books, they all were ministered to this. So I'm here to tell you, I don't care where you're at today, there is a word for this in, for you. This, you may have been so familiar with this story and maybe have heard it your whole life. I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit reveal some things to you in a new way. That maybe He can rekindle a fire if you're cold today. If you're empty today, He refills a space in you and to where you don't just have to try to struggle through or get by the areas and situations you've been going through. God wants to give you a life. Now, out of all the miracles that Jesus performed, there were two different kinds of miracles. Most of the miracles that Jesus did, He did redemption miracles. In other words, where something was lacking or something was broken, he, the miracle that He took place, He fixed something or He gave something back. A redemptive miracle. Like if there was a blind man, He gave him sight. If there was a dead child, He gave her back life. Most of the miracles that Jesus performed in the Bible were redemptive miracles. But there were two miracles in the Bible that Jesus did that were not redemptive miracles, but they were creative miracles. In other words, He took something and made something better out of it. And this is the disciple. This is one of those miracles. There were only two. The two that He did, it was where He turned water into wine, and when He took five loaves and two fishes and fed 5,000. This is a creative miracle. I say that to let you know this. God is in the creating business. When He was in Genesis 1 and He got to the end of the week, He did not stop creating. He is still creating today. And this is one of those miracles that shows the creative process of God. So what's saying here is this, the life that God has for you is better than the life that you're living. God has a life for you and He wants to create for you a life that you know on the inside you are destined to live. God has such a plan for your life. It's called a destiny for your life. And it is far above even your wildest dreams and imaginations. But most of the time, we don't understand what it takes to get this life. So before we can preach how to live the life, I want to say, I want to tell some people in here how you can get this life. Because you can't live something that that you don't have. God wants, He has a life for you. And once you understand that He has a life for you and you can understand how or what that life looks like, it's a little bit easier to understand or it's a little bit easier how to live it. Now, if you're, if you're a member here or you're familiar with me, you know I, I'm an art guy. Reading is not my strength. Art is my strength. And so I really get into drawing pictures and my mind works through picture representations. And, you know, they say a picture is worth a thousand words. But when you get into art and you study art, you find out that there are certain things about art that make art more powerful than other pieces of art. One of the powers that is used in art is called the power of contrast. Now, when I was learning to talk, chalk draw, I was taught that to make a more impacting and powerful picture when you're drawing, the stronger the contrast, the more powerful the picture. That's why we will take dark colors when we're drawing and we will add the brightest color I can to it. Even though you would think those would never go together, the contrast between the two brings such clarity into the picture, it can tell the story and show what I want you to see. You need to understand this. God is still in the creating business. And what He is creating in you and in me, He designed us as a masterpiece. You are a masterpiece. Now, a lot of people don't understand what the definition of a masterpiece is. It's a one-of-a-kind original that is priceless. That's what you are. 
to God. You are not a dud. You are not a mistake. You are not random. You are a masterpiece. And you were created, the Bible says, in His, in His image. So when you look in a mirror and the enemy says, man, well, look at you. How can you be used by God? You, you, your mind telling you God's ugly. I want you to know something. God's not ugly. God is, God is so Beautiful. I mean, he, just looking at him can change your life. And you were made in his image. You are a masterpiece. Now, when you understand that he is an artist and he's a masterpiece and he is creating, you need to know that even the act of creation is to give life to something. And when God creates something, what he does is he takes nothing and gives it life. And so that's what he's still doing in our lives. He is creating in us. He's taking what was lifeless and giving life to it. Like David said, creating me a clean heart. David's heart was dead and God gave him a new life, a new heart in our lives. The Bible says old things are passed away. They're dead. Behold, all things become new. A new created you is what God is at work in in your behalf. But a lot of times we don't understand the under, the contra, or the, the steps in a masterpiece being developed. The very nature of the artist's side of God, the creating side of God, for you to live the life that God is creating for you to live, the first principle and power you need to understand is that He's going to introduce contrast into it. Contrast is what makes blurry lines clear. Contrast in an art picture is what gives you distinctive differences for you to be able to divide one thing to another. Now, in the hands of God, well, let's jump into Genesis quickly. All right, in Genesis 1.1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was void and without form. There was a place full of darkness, chaos, craziness, no light, no life, and just darkness, and there was no separating anything one from the other. It was darkness covered chaos full, and the presence of God was on the outside looking in. But the Bible says when God stepped into the picture, the first thing He did, He said, let there be light. Which the introduction of light was the first introduction of contrast. In other words, it was a separating. There became a line drawn where there was everything all mixed together and now there are two individual differences. You need to understand this about the life that God's called you to live. When He begins to create in you, the first thing He does is He brings in power. And the power is called contrast. The problem with contrast is most people feel when contrast shows up, it feels like conflict. When God shows up and begins to separate and cause a contrast to take place, we start finding ourselves in a situation where things are beginning to change and things are beginning to separate and things are beginning to look different. You need to understand, just because there is a contrast going on in your life, it's the proof that God is at work. God is at work causing contrast. And usually when contrast shows up, the first thing it feels like is conflict. It's not comfortable. It's not good. We like mixture. We like things blurring together. We like the idea that everything is okay and everything's going to be alright. But you need to know this. It's not okay and it's not alright. The life that you've been living, God has a far better one in store for you. He has a... And if He did not bring contrast into the picture, if He would not have brought light into into on the scene, then we would never be able to see there's anything better than what's going on right now. Some of us are in here right now and the Lord has been bringing in the light into your situation. He's been showing you that, you know, this is the way it is, but I want you to know this is what it can be. And so some of us are still on the side of the mixtured side of God's creative force, but we can now see that there is a contrast, there is a different way of living. Some of us have moved to the point where we're trying to move out of the chaos and move into the light. Move out of what we've always been and what we've always known and get to a place where God wants us to be. And then some of us have already begun the journey and in going into the, con- the contrast that He's laid out for us. Contrast simply does this. Makes a difference. You were created to be different. You have to know this. You were not created to be like everything else. You are a masterpiece, a one-of-a-kind, an individual 
priceless in the eyes and in the heart of God. He would not give up anything to trade for you. You are His prized possession. As a matter of fact, He paid everything to have you. And the first thing God does when He shows up in a situation or on a scene is He brings in contrast. And contrast feels like conflict. Feels like I've done something wrong. I, you know, God's upset at me. Maybe, maybe the, uh, I'm under the judgment of God or maybe I've made too many mistakes. Just because you can see that things should be better and they're not does not mean that you're on the wrong side of what God's doing. As a matter of fact, that's where He always starts. He always starts turning on the light, making it possible for you to see that there is a difference. Now, a lot of times people, when they see contrast and they start feeling contrast, they think there's no way this could be God. Because not only when contrast shows up does it look like conflict, it feels like separation. When God begins to create in you, this is the nature of God. When God begins to create in you, there's always a season of separation. The Bible says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was void and without form, and darkness covered the face of the earth. And God said, Let there be light. And boom! There was light. Contrast came in. Then He said this, He began to separate. Began to separate. Separate the firmaments. He separated the water from the land. He began to separate. Take things apart. Move them away from one another and make distinctive lines that this is this and this is that. Because what God does after He comes in with contrast and you can see that there's a better way of life, there's always a season that you will go through of separation. When you go into a season of separation, a lot of times you don't understand that it's the hand of God at work. We think the hand of God is always to bless us. But you need to know this. Sometimes the blessings of God is what He took from you. The Bible says the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I tell you what, it took me a long time to get to the point where I was able to thank God for some of the things that He took out of my life that I thought I needed extremely bad. You have no idea how happy I am that God removed relationships or removed jobs from me that were for my detriment, that were not going to help me raise up to my potential. I'm so thankful I did not marry the wrong person. I am so thankful God got involved in my situation and He would draw contrast and cause an awareness that there's a different way to do this. And when that different way to do it, then He began to separate the things out of my life that was not going to bring me to a place to be what God has called me to be. Somebody needs, I'm just saying, somebody needs to give God a thank you for getting out of your life what He got out of your life. Because I want you to know something. If, you would have, if it would have stayed there, you wouldn't make it. God takes things out of your life that will not call, allow you to become what He's created you to be. God puts things in your life that will give you the ability to make it. And so you need to understand, just because God is separating you from things, you say, well, I can't believe I lost my job. There will be a day you'll look back and think, the hand of God got me here, and He had a better job for me all along. Hindsight is twenty twenty most of the time. But I'm learning to see through faith sight. Faith sight says this, there's no way I'm doing this on my own. God is involved in my situation. It is Impossible for him to sit on the sidelines. He's involved in my life. And so when something comes in my life and begins to separate me, I can trust the hand of God that if he let it leave, it was good for me. If he got it out, it was good for me. Because you need to understand this. A lot of times we are so full of the wrong things that God can't put in us what he needs for us to have. And we fight with Him. When conflict comes in, or contrast comes in, we, we perceive it as conflict, and then we begin to see the separation. We feel it, feel like God is... And so we begin to, a lot of times, try to hold on to some of the things that God does not want you to hold on to. God, He's, he's pulling, He's trying to move you to a place to get to where He can cause His perfect will in your life because He is a master artist. He allows contrast to come in the right place in this picture so that when it comes in, you will look back and say, wow, look at that picture. Oh, I could not believe God can make this so good. But we're so full of things that what God wants to get inside of us, we're constantly at fight to do. But you need to understand this. There's always a separating in our life when the hand of God is involved. Because what He has to do is everything that we have created in our own lives, everything that we have made for ourselves up to this point is subpar for what He has for us. And if you want to keep holding on to the dirt 
in the junk that we've allowed in to be in our lives. What it's doing is it's taking space up in an area in your life that God wants to pour something in that makes it amazing. Now, when you don't understand the process of creation in your life, you'll fight and fight and fight to hold on to things that God is trying to get out of your hand. Let's go back to our story. You said, well, you read Mark chapter 6. You're preaching out of Genesis. Well, let's read this right here. It says in Mark chapter 6, verse 6, it says, And then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told Him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And He said to them, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest for a while. One translation said, He led them out into the wilderness for them to rest. Now listen, you need to understand this. You need to know that if you are in a place in life and it feels like you are losing, 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 you are being led by the hand of God into a place where He can be able to begin to do something in your life that He was not able to do where you were with what you had in it. You need to understand this about the creative process. First thing He did was showed up and turned the light on. He created contrast. The next thing He did, He showed up and began to separate, take things apart. But then the the Bible says he had to separate things before he could begin to put things back in. Don't fight the process of God at work in your life. Now, you need to understand this as well. The Bible says in Mark chapter 6, it says he led them into a deserted place. But in John chapter 6, it says the same story, but it says this. He says he led them up. Because usually we're starting into a mess like this. I know somebody that right now is sitting in a situation at a job that's rough and you're, is you're battling with it and you're struggling with it and you know it's subpar and you're dealing with stress, worry, hey, instantly you hear a mess like this. Oh, God's taking me out. You want something better and you'll just walk away. I want you to know something. God has to do it. You don't get to make the choice. The reason why it's bad always because you made the choice to get there. Some people sitting in there in a marriage thinking, well, he's giving me permission to get out of this marriage. Separation is what is God wanting to do. No. No, no, you need to understand. It says not only did He lead them out, He led them up. You need to know this. If God's the one doing the leading, it's always going to get better. If you're letting anyone else do your leading in your life, you need to know where they're leading you. If they're leading you down, it's not God. Because God's plan for you are always to go up. Now, going up doesn't always feel like up. But in, in, the, in the book of John, it says, He led them up to a deserted place. Now, you can be in the same situation... Same circumstance, but be on another level. Do you understand that? God is calling you and moving your life to another level. If you're here this morning, your marriage is on the rocks, God will move that marriage up to another level through His creative process into your life. If you're here in a job and your, your job is, is just not what you know God calling you, God can move you up in that level of job. The Bible says promotion comes from the Lord. You need to understand, if God is in control and God is leading you, you will never take a step back. It may feel like it, but God is really setting you up to go forward. See, the disciples had already been in Jerusalem before. The Bible says that they had been there, but when Jesus told them to go back there, He said, this time don't go on the street level. I want you to go to an upper room because He had higher things for them. He can take you to another level in your same situation. Don't you give up on your marriage. Don't you give up on your job. Don't you give up on your dream. God can cause those things to go up another level to be higher than you ever thought they could be. So what's going on in the process of God creating things, you will go through a season of separation. It will feel like He's pouring. You're pouring, you're pouring, you're pouring, you're pouring, you're pouring. And before you know it, you feel like there's nothing left on the inside of you. Because when God shows up, the first thing He brings is contrast. A knowing, a seeing, an understanding. Then what He does is He brings in separation because everything you've been full of has got you this far. But God has somewhere and something better for you to go. And so He moves you into a place of separation. Now, spiritually speaking, Christian talk, the word for that is sanctification. Being separated, moved out, moved apart. You're fighting for those friends. God's trying to move you to a place where He can sanctify you, clean you out, get you to a place that one day you'll be able to step back, step back into those relationships and God will use you to change them instead of keeping them changing you. And so you got to understand God does everything at the right time and at the right place. The creative force of God there in Genesis, it said this. It says, on the first day He created light. 
the second day he separated the firmament. You need to understand what he's doing there is the right time. A lot of people understand God's timing is in his hand, but you also need to know God also puts things in the right place. He did not put the whales in the trees. He did not put the monkeys in the sea. He did not put the birds under rocks. It says he put everything in the right place. And so if God is moving something out of your life, you need to understand something. He's putting it in the right place. It doesn't need to be in your life. But if God is moving something into your life and you feel God leading you in an area, going this way or that, you need to know God is putting the right things in your life. God is at work creating in you the destiny He created you to be. And so, what's going on is He's pouring out. But after the contrast and the separation, then comes the addition. God is always moving you to a place where He can put in you the things that will create you to be what He's created you to be. We love the addition side, but you need to know something. If you don't go through the subtraction side, the dividing side, the separating side, there's no room for what God has for the inside of you. Now, a lot of times, a lot of people get to this place. A lot of people get to this place right here and they think, all right, God did this, so I'm going to get content and stay right here. You need to know something. God never created you, one, to live in chaos. It's not His plan. And God, never, two, never created you to live empty. But a lot of times we find ourselves trying to get through life living empty. No joy, no peace, no righteousness. And you need to understand something. There's a reason why people go through life, even though they may love the Lord, with no joy, no peace, and no righteousness, is because you can't get those things being empty. When God empties you out, His plan is to fill you up. Now, a lot of times we try to fill ourselves up. We try to be enough. And I believe there's people in here today that have been trying to live your life God's way, but you've been doing it on your own strength. And so you're finding yourself, no matter how much you have to put in, it's not enough. It's not enough. Here in the book of, of Mark, it said this. It says the first thing God did was He separated them. He pulled them out. You have to know, God is pulling you out for a purpose. God is contrast moving you causing things to divide and causing things to separate because He has such a great plan for you that it will change everything. But He also knows this. The enemy works through mixture. The enemy works through mixture. When you find any area in your life with the blurred lines, you find anywhere in your life where things are just all running together, you're going to find a place where the enemy can, can, be, can begin to work. That's why in Genesis 1.1, Everything was mixed together. The first thing he did was had to draw a line. This is light. This is dark. You need to know something. For God to create a life in you, there has to become a place where there has to be a separating. There's a way that you live, and there's a way that you used to live. But see, the problem with a lot of us is we get so comfortable living in the chaos that we've created for ourselves that we don't want God to draw the line that we have to now see that we can be different. We like drama. We like circumstance. We like the, the, the chaos that we're living in. And the Bible says this, it's better to be dark or to be light. It's better to be hot than cold. As a matter of fact, in the end of the book, he said this, you can't be mixed up in this thing. You can't keep one foot in the other. He said it's better to be hot or to be cold because if you're just cool with being chaotic, if you're just cool being like you've always been, if you're just cool living your life the way you want to, then he's going to spit you out of his mouth, the Bible says. You've got to decide there is a different way of living. It's either your way or God's way. It cannot be the same. You cannot mix the two. I can't live for God in this area and live the way I want to in this area. It blurs the lines. It takes the contrast out. And when you take the contrast out, it erases the picture. It makes a masterpiece into a just an old whatever, whenever, however. God did not create you to live. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, don't conform to the patterns of this world. Meaning there, there, there is a way that the world lives, but yet there's a way that we're to live. And it's by the renewing of our mind, figuring out what God's plan is for your life. And when you start seeing God's plan,
plan, that's the contrast. When you start choosing God's plan, there will be some things you have to give up. And when you begin to give those things up, all you didn't, you're not losing, you're winning because now God has created room for Him to begin to put something in. And the thing about it is this. You'll never be enough. You'll never be enough. When, when God separates things out of your life, you need to understand that if you're doing everything you can do and you're being everything you can be and you feel like you're running on empty and you're going through life tired and you're going through life exhausted, you need, that's a sub-level way of living life. Uh, the real way to say it is this. And there are people I know in here that are, that are parenting the best they can, but they know their kids deserve a better parent. There's people in here going to work every day. And you're going to work not being the best you. You're going to work just trying to get to the end of the day so that you can try to go to bed because there is no joy. There is no life. You're tired. You're exhausted. You're going through the motions and you can't see any light at the end of the tunnel because the light at the end of the tunnel is not at the end of the tunnel. It's in the line that God draws in our life called contrast. And when you choose to live and see God has a different way for us to live and be instead of just living mixed all up however we want to, then you can start seeing that the good news is you're not enough. There's a difference in being tired and being empty. You can be tired and you can take a vacation and get better. If you're empty, you have to be refilled. And the cool process about God is this. The only reason He would ever take anything out of you, if He's willing to pour back into you. And the thing about it is, when He begins to pour, it won't not be enough. It's always more than enough. Because the life that He creates in you... See, I go back to creation. It's easier to see in that picture because that's like a portrait of life He drew for each one of us that He's still continually doing in each one of our lives. Right, it says He first separated the land, or first put in light, then He separated the lands. But then it said this, He began to put things in those situations and in every place that He created, things that had never existed there before and things that never thought, no one had ever thought of could be there. He began to put trees on land. He began to put fish in seas. He began to put birds in air and nobody had any idea what those things were at that point, but they all were good, the Bible says. He said, and it was good. I'm here to tell you this. If God has put you through a process of separating you, if He drew a line that there's a different way to do things, He's got a different way of living for you, and then He begins to take away the things that you had in your life that were filling up some of the space that He wants to fill with something. He's going to fill it with something that is better than you ever imagined. Something that maybe you never even thought could be. Because He only fills lives back up fuller than they were, better than they were, and it's always good. I'm telling you, He is such a creative God. I mean, when you look at all the different... There are 30,000 species of beetles that live on this planet. Why do we need 30,000 species of beetles? It's because God was able to look down at this thing and say, you know what? One beetle's not enough. I'm going to give 30,000 down there just for the pure fun of it because I am a God that loves to bless beyond understanding. Now... The reason why God does those things is because He's bringing you to a place just like in Genesis where it says, and on the seventh day, He gave rest. The apex of the life that God wants to create you to live is the sign of you being able to move into a place of rest. God wants your life to be at a place of rest. You say, well, Cricket, then why don't he just get everything good? Because that's not what rest is. God wants to move your life into a place. And as he begins to create, and as the process that he's creating you comes fulfilled, what happens is you can move into a place of rest, and you can be in the midst of the biggest storm that everybody around you is freaking out and screaming, the boat's going to sink, but you're still able to lay your head on a pillow, close your eyes, and get a good night's sleep. I tell you, there is a place, the apex of a Christian walk is that we can get up every day and have a place of rest. We are led by the Spirit into rest. And what does rest look like? This is what rest looks like. The Bible says that in the Holy Spirit there's righteousness, 
peace, and joy. And telling you God has righteousness, peace, and joy. See, He empties you out because you're not enough, but He is. So when He empties us out and He separates us down, the next thing God does is He begins to pour Himself back into the places that you want because you will never be enough. You can get the highest paying job. You can get the best looking girlfriend. You can get whatever circumstances or situations you need and it still will not be enough to bring you to a place of rest. The only thing that can bring your life to a place of rest is the fulfillment of the creating process that God is doing on the inside of you. But the good news is this. He's the author and finisher of our faith. And if He has put you through the process, if you begin to realize that there is a different way of living, and then now you find yourself in the process of losing things and fighting things, and He's moving people and moving circumstances out, it's good news because what He's doing, He's separating, He's emptying, because what He's about to put in you is a process of filling you with the presence and Spirit of God, the life that you were created to live. And when that begins to come in, the process that comes out of that is righteousness, peace, and joy, which is rest. You can live a life that's not led by worry. You can live a life that's not led by strife. You can live a life that's not led by drama. And that life looks like the life that God has designed you to live and can create for you to have. But it takes the process. Now, this is what the Bible says here. The Bible says the first thing he did, he separated him. In Mark chapter 6, he took them and led them out. And it said, into a desolate place. Man, that sure don't look like God. That sure don't look like God. Man, reading my Bible don't look like fun. Praying don't look like fun. Going to church don't look like fun. I want you to know something. If it don't look like fun, there's not enough contrast in your life. Because obviously, going to jail looks better than going to church to you. Or obviously, going through a divorce looks better than you than to serve in the Lord. Or going to the hospital is better than you having healing. Because God's process is to work in you and create life in you. But if you want to do it on your own, you can do it on your own. You can do it your way, but you were never designed to live in chaos. Now, the next thing that God did in this miracle here, and we're talking about it because it's a creative miracle, was when He created the fish that was not there, what He did was He began to show Himself and the reality of who He is. In the process of you not being enough and not having enough, if you can get to a higher level and begin to see it the way God sees it, like it says in John, He led them up, you have the ability to see this situation like God wants you to see it. Let me tell you why there's a difference in creative miracles and redemptive miracles. Redemptive miracles are when we find ourselves in a lacking situation and we need God to rescue us. Creative miracles are when we find ourselves in a situation and we allow God to change us. Like I said, there were two miracles in the Bible that He did create miracles in. One was the fish, the bread. The other was the water and wine. Now, if you've got bread and you've got wine, what does that look like to you? It looks like communion to me. If you can see God in the middle of this process, you need to hear this. If you can find God in the middle of this process, what changes you is you being able to see God better. When you can see Jesus as hand is at work in this, and you will allow Him to take you by the hand and lead you out of this circumstance or situation, even if it feels like He's leading you into a situation that is desolate and lost. You have no idea what's in the wilderness. You have no idea what's out there. You can let God move you. Then what happens is this. You move into communion with God. Now let me tell you this. Creative miracles is what gives you the life. Do you know how you keep the life? You stay in communion with God. That's why we go to church. That's why we read our Bibles. That's why we praise and we worship. Because see, if God has to constantly keep creating in you, you don't get to the level where you get to walk with Him and talk with Him. You don't get to a place where you get to know Him and you get to see Him because the better you see Jesus, the better your life gets. The more you become like Him,
Him, the more you see Him, the more you become like Him. And what happens is when you become like Him, you begin to act like Him, walk like Him, talk like Him, and you begin to do the things that He was able to do. So when the storms of life come blowing into your life and everybody else on your boat is all getting freaked out and stressed out and scared they're going to die, you can step up on the top of your boat and declare the Word of the Lord and say, you peace, be still, because you are what God has created you to be. There is a difference in the in the two different kind of... I don't want to live my life where i got to keep getting God showing up and fixing my situation. I want God to show up and fix me. So that I can walk into the situation and begin to help others find Him too. So, the creative miracle is what He's trying to work at you in your life in this situation. Now, you need to know this. You cannot live the life outside of God. You can't do it without Him. You, you, you're going you're gonna to have to allow Him to drive the car. You're going to have to allow Him to get in the driver's seat. Because you're not enough. And you're not enough and you'll never be enough. And a lot of us have felt like, even today, you probably there's some areas in your life that you don't feel like you're enough. There's good news. You're not supposed to be. Because you're not supposed to do it alone. You're not supposed to get to heaven one day and Jesus say, what did you do? And you said, I did everything I could. Nope. He's got, he's got you going through a process so that when you show up to heaven, you say, I didn't do I did everything I could and I did everything you empowered me to do too that I couldn't do. Because He wants to fill you up with a life that far Seeds, what you could ever be. Now, the Bible says this. The Bible says that when Jesus looked at the people, He realized that they were lacking this situation going on. The Bible says He led them out there, and when He led them into that desertous place, He was able to look at them and see that they were like sheep without a shepherd. You know what that means? He was able to look at them and see that they'd been going everywhere trying to do everything they could, trying to get fed from things that was never meant to feed them. They were putting themselves in situations and they were eating what they call uh, pointless calories. You know, they moved themselves to a thing that whatever they were feeding on was not giving them the nourishment that God created them to have. And He looked at them and He saw that they were not and they did not have what they needed on the inside of them because they looked tired and they looked empty. But God's plan for you is not for you to look tired and for you to look empty. God said this. This is what He said. He said, then He told them, draw them near to Me. I want you to know something. You will never find the nourishment. You will never find the the life that you're desiring to live in anything except your life in relationship with Jesus. And usually it takes us being in a wilderness place to find that. Because none of us usually change when things are good. It takes us getting into a desolate place. But you need to know something. You're not there alone. He's got His hand reached out. I am so thankful that even when I didn't have the wisdom to reach out and grab His hand, He reached out and grabbed mine. And I went kicking and screaming sometimes. But He drugged me into a place. And I was able to meet a shepherd that was able to feed me what it was going to take for me to live my life. They looked weary. And so Jesus said this, Feed them. He told the disciples, came and said, they're hungry, they're here. And He said, feed them. But see, they knew they did not have what they, need, they, they needed to feed them. He said it would take 200 denarii. 200 denarii. It would take this much. God. As a matter of fact, He talks to Philip, which is you know one of those disciples you don't hear a whole lot about in the book of John. It says, he spoke to Philip. He said, Philip, feed them. He says, Jesus, we don't have enough. I want you to know something. There will never be a relationship in your life that will have enough except for Jesus. There will never be a job that will have enough except for Jesus. There will never be a doctor that will have enough except for Jesus. There will never be any plan that you can make or anything you can do that will have enough except for Jesus. They had this huge astronomical need, 200 denarii. But God don't need 200 denarii. The Bible says, what do you have? And the Bible says, I have five loaves, two fishes. Now, you cannot tell me that the portrait that God drew in Genesis is not still at work at the creative process we find here in Mark 6. Because what is five plus two? Seven. When God was able to get seven in His hand, He was able to move people from a place of lack, need, hunger, malnourishment into a place where they had more than enough. 
You may not think God has enough in His hand to meet your needs. I'm here to tell you, it don't matter what you think it looks like. God has enough to make, even if you don't think it's enough, to be more than enough. That is the nature of God. All four Gospels say this. The nature of God is not for you to get by. The nature of God is for you not to have enough. The nature of God is for you to have more than enough. The problem with it is, we like to try to tell God how to do it instead of we letting Him use what He's doing in our lives to do it. Now, let me draw these points out to you real quickly. The Bible says there were 5,000 men. You know, culture, you've probably all heard it. says that 5,000 men is the way they counted the Jewish people. They didn't count men and women. And women and children. They counted men. So some theologians believe it could have been anywhere from ten to 15,000 people being fed here. But what it took was this. It took Jesus getting what they thought was not enough. But when Jesus, when the work is complete in His hand, it will always be more than enough. The Bible said this. He took it from the least likely of people. You know, in the story... The one that God couldn't, should not have been able to use. The one that was not even counted. The one that would have been looked at as being the lowest and the littlest was the one that God used the miracle through. The little boy that did not have enough. What I'm telling you, somebody in here thinks, you know, there's no way God can do in me what He can do in others. Because I am the least qualified. I am the biggest mistake. I'm the one that no one would ever count even in the picture. I want you to know something. God don't pick from the top of the line. God picks the one that He will get the most glory from. And the ones that you have counted out, the ones that I have counted out, those are the ones God's wanting to do the miracle in and through. And so when you give God what you have, you say, well, Cricket, I'm not enough. I need to quit this. I need to quit. No, you give God what you have. You may not be good enough yet, but you give God what you have because when God gets what you have in His hand, it becomes a complete work. And the first thing He does is He takes five loaves and two fishes Two numbers that were separated, when He put them together, they become seven, which is the whole number. The work is complete. The first thing God will do in you is when you give yourself to God, the most unlikely of people to be used, He begins to do a whole work in you. He begins to fix the broken parts. He begins to heal the wounded parts. He begins to erase the mistakes that you've made on the inside of you. Because before God launches you into your destiny, He's going to completely make you whole. So when you do get to what He's created, you to be, you won't get there and be unhappy. You won't get there and feel like you're not enough. You'll know you're not enough, but you'll know He's on your side. Because the author and finisher of your faith will be at work in you. You have to give Him who you are now. Not when you're good enough. Not when you're big enough. Not when you have enough. You give Him to you when you're still broken and separate. You're not a whole number. Well, Cricket, I'm not married. I don't care. Give yourself to God. Cricket, I'm by how bankruptcy. I don't care. Give yourself. Give yourself the broke. Give your broken parts to Him. Give Him the five and then give Him the two. Give Him what He needs and He will put it together and make it whole because God starts making you whole before He makes you great. And so the process at work in you He's saying, whatever shape you come in, I believe this, if it would have been five fish and two loaves, the miracle still would have happened. I believe that if it would have been three and three, the miracle would have happened. Because it don't matter what shape or what brokenness is in you, how separated or divided your life has been, when it gets in the hands of God, He puts everything together at the right place, at the right time. Next thing we've got to know is this. The Bible said this, He took it. He took the two and the five and put it together. Then it said this, He made them sit down in groups. Now, I want to, this is our, what we're talking about here today is our, when we go out of here, we're going into our small groups portion of the church. It's been one of the main focuses of my heart for the last two years in this church. Because I understand that life was never meant to live alone. The Bible says it's not good for men to be alone. But I also understand that God uses us together to create in us what we're to be. Now you say, well, Cricket, I come to church. Let's draw the picture of this page right here. 5,000 men gathered at a church service in a desolate place. 
they all came together in a desolate place. And God spoke and God taught. But the Bible says they were still in a desolate place. The Bible said they were still hungry. You can go to church every Sunday and never get nourishment that you need. You can come to church every Sunday and never get the life that God wants you because God has a process in place. It's not by coincidence that God, when He got them, He saw them, He got what He needed to fix it. First thing He did was He said, get in a small group. He said, get in a small group. Because you need to know something. That you living, and it's just, you say, well, I, it's just me and Jesus, I'm fine. You're going to come to a place at some point where you're going to find yourself in a desolate place. And you're going to be in a small group. Because let me show you the power that God used this small group to do. The Bible says three times in this story, before they were in a small group, it says they came, He led them into a desolate place. He led them, into, He spoke at a deserted place. Three times it used that word. And then it said this, He put them in groups of 50 and He had them sit on grass. Where did the grass come from? Where did the grass come from? I'm here to tell you, when God connects you with people, that will live the life that He's called you to live together. He can cause the worst parts of your life to begin to grow again. I'm convinced of it. When I have marriage trouble, I find married couples that are making it and living on another level than I live. When I have money trouble, I try to find people that are serving the Lord with their money and they're doing it better. And I walk up beside them. I try to let them let me in their group so that what they have in their life can help me in my life. Even Jesus' mother, Mary, the Bible says when the Holy Spirit came upon her, the Holy God, God had filled her up. Filled her up. The first thing the Bible says Mary did was she went and found somebody that was a little bit farther down the road in her pregnancy than she was. She went and found a group she could connect into. She went and found a family that she could get because she knew that Elizabeth knew a little bit more about what she was going through and she could give it. But now check this out. It's not just about you receiving because the Bible says when Mary walked up to Elizabeth, what she had on the inside of her jumped off her and jumped into Elizabeth. God wants to use you as much as He wants to use them. But He's designed you to be in a small group. I'm here to tell you, you're not going to be everything that God's called you to be if you can't connect yourself into a group of believers that will help you fight and will help you grow. And when they need you to help, you will help them stand. It is God's will for you to be in a group together. And that's why here at the church we're pushing these groups. And today when we get out of here, we're asking everybody to sign up in one. We have all, we have all kind of groups to hit every interest. we got a group that you can just go watch movies together with Christians. We got groups you can just go eat dinner together with Christians. We got a group where you can go be men together as Christians. We got the group Girls with Swords back there today. Where girls, you can go learn how to fight with the Word. We got groups in every way. Please, take enough time today when you walk out of here to walk by a table and see if God wants to put you in a group because I am convinced in this story that the circumstances they were standing in and living in would not have changed if they wouldn't have got in a small group. And I'm here to tell you, it releases a trend. When you're obedient to God, I don't care how desolate your situation is, God can somehow make grass be enough for you to sit on and you can rest in. It said that He led them out to rest. You can't rest. I mean, honestly, He led them out into a desolate place. And it says to rest. God has this life of rest for you. God has this life of peace for you. If our praisers will come, I'm done. God has this life that when you think of what life should be like, there's an opportunity for you to actually get your hands on it and live it. God's not the mean carriage rider with this stick holding up with the carrot dangling in front of the mule. And every time you take a step toward Him, this carrot moves a little bit farther. No, He wants you. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. He wants you to get the carrot. He wants you to get the prize. He says that His name is like sweet honey on earth. God wants your life to be good, but you will not get His good life unless you're willing to do it His way. But then check it out. This is what happened. So they had them sit down, get in groups of 50, and then it said they sat down on the grass. When they began to gather, 
You say, well, Cricket, how can that be? The Bible says where two or three are gathered together in His name, there He is in the midst of them. You need to understand the power of a group. When you begin to connect yourself in a group, the power and the presence of God at that point can come in. You say, well, Cricket, God can meet me out the wilderness. I agree. He, he's pulled me out of a lot of their desolate places that I found myself. But I did not start living the life that God had for me till I began to connect myself with other believers. And when you begin to connect yourself with two or three or 50 or 100, I don't know what size groups you are, but I'm here to tell you this, services are not enough. We believe that it takes each other to live the life that God's called you to live. I need you. You need me. If it's just to get on your nerves, Jennifer says a lot of times, Cricket, the only reason God had me married because He knew if you get on my nerves enough, I'd change. And so I, I got you, you may need to get in a group just so I can get on your nerves. I don't know. But God wants to use me in your life. God wants to use you in my life. Because what He wants to do is He wants to transform the situation that your circumstance is where it was desolate to where life can show up. Anywhere the presence of God shows up, everywhere in the New Testament Jesus showed up, the circumstance changed. If someone was dead, they rose. If someone was sick, they were healed. If someone was blind, their eyes opened. You say, well, Cricket and I, I'm trying to get to God. Get in a group. The Bible says it just takes two or three. Two or three gathered together in His name. There He will be in the midst of them. And all you got to do is get Him to show up in your desert. Get Him to show up in your marriage. Get Him to show up on your job. Get Him to show up in your health. And all of a sudden, what was once not there will begin to transform and life will begin to come back into your situation. And then the Bible says this, in that process, when the grass began to grow, they began, God said, you need to sit down. You're going to have to come to a place where you just let Him be in control. He said, sit down because He understands that's the, the, the stance or the posture for rest. He's positioning you to get your life to a place of rest where you don't have to stress, you don't have to worry, you don't have to try to make it on your own. He's putting you into a place. He's telling you to settle down, cricket. You don't know how many times God has to tell me that. Settle down, cricket. And this is what He told me the other day. He said, be still, cricket, and know that I am God. And I was like, I already know that. He says, no, be still. And while you're getting still, spend your time building a relationship with me because I got this other stuff under control. You just sit down, focus on me. I'll fix that. Be still. Begin to know me as God and you'll begin to see me as God. And so I pull back. I said, hey God, I'm not going to fight this thing anymore. I'm not going to push this thing anymore. And this week we go sign a lease on a building that we never thought we were going to get there in Gulf Shores to where the church is at. And I've been struggling for two years to make that happen. And it wasn't until I just got still. And I got at the right place at the right time. And then it said this. He took what He had and He blessed it. You need to know God is still in the blessing business. He's going to bless you. When you put yourself in His hands, He's going to bless you. He's going to give you life. He's going to give you hope. He's going to give you righteousness. You will be able to live without that sin in your life anymore. And you will be happy even though it's gone. He wants to bring you into a place of peace. But that only comes from the Holy Spirit. So what your life is full of is poured out. He pours in. You connect yourself with other people that are just as full because you need to know this. The Holy Spirit is contagious. It's very contagious. You need to be in a church that's full of the Holy Spirit because it's contagious. Mary just walked up to Elizabeth and she caught it. I want you to know something, but if you catch the Holy Spirit, He won't mess you up. He just makes you better. If you were, the Holy Spirit don't make people weird. If you find somebody full of the Holy Spirit and they're weird, they were weird before they got filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes you better. Makes you have things that you couldn't do before. Gives you power and understanding. We'll be talking about Him in the month of October. But So you position yourself. You be still. You, you sit down. And He's going to bless you. And then He will break you. And you say, well, Cricket, why, why? That sounds horrible. He break me. 
Because you need to know this. It's in your broken places that He can let His Spirit flow out. There's an old story. It says I got 46 minutes. That clock says I got... I mean, 46 seconds. That clock says I got three minutes. There's a story about a lady that used to walk up the hill carrying two pots. One pot was cracked. The other pot was full. But she would carry the two pots every day. And she would walk to the well. And she would fill both pots up. Then she would start the trek back to her house. When she would get to the house, one pot would be full, but one pot would be half empty. And all the pot felt so horrible because she was putting all this effort and all this work into carrying the pot. And the pot was so cracked that he couldn't hold the life that he had in him in. And the story says that the pot looked at the lady one day and said, I'm so sorry I'm not as good as that other pot. I'm so sorry I can't hold the water that you're putting all the effort into to get it to where you need it to be. And she said, Pot, you're my favorite pot. He said, I can't be your favorite. I've got a crack. And you fill me up, but I only have the ability to carry half the water. And she said, Come with me, Pot. And she picked the pot up and walked outside and started the trek up to the well. And on her way up to the well, on one side of the road was rocks and desolate. On the other side of the road was flowers and garden. And she said, Pot, if you didn't have that crack in you, when I walk back from that well every day, you wouldn't have been able to give the life on the trail that I'm walking down. I want you to know something. He will break you because it's in your brokenness that He will flow life through and He will change the world on your behalf through you. Then it says this, He will give you. He will give you. Your life has not been lived until you get your life to a place where you can give yourself to someone or somebody. When you begin to live for someone else besides yourself, I'm here to tell you, that's when you begin to live the life that you've been created to live. And I, I, I'm just going to close with this this evening. Morning. My days are mixed up. He's creating in you the purpose and destiny that He's created you to be. You are a masterpiece. Your contrast is what gives you power as a picture. Your separation is simply giving Him room to do addition into your life. And the more you let Him come in, the more you will be able to be. And your very parts of you that are so broken that you thought, I need to hide I need to pull back. I need to cover. Because if people knew, those will be the places that the Holy Spirit will flow through to bring life to others. And that happens in a group. Your circumstances will begin to change when you connect yourself with people that have been through the circumstances that you're facing right now. But I want to pray for this with you today. I felt like when I came in here today, there are some people that are at your wit's end and you need some rest. I'm here to tell you, when you're full of the Holy Spirit, when the Spirit pours Himself in, the Bible says He brings in righteousness, peace, and joy. And that is the picture of rest. And hell can be falling on around you. But when you're full of the Holy Spirit, greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. You need to be full. If you're tired, if you're saying, Cricket, I'm so empty, I can't do anything, I can't go any farther, I'm here to tell you, our prayer leaders are coming up right now. Prayer leaders come up, they're going to pray with you. The Bible says, and they receive the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands. Our prayer leaders are here, they're going to pray with you, pray for you, and if you're so tired, you can't go anymore, you're not tired, you're empty, you need to get full. Also, if you're here today and you say, Cricket, I need peace. I need peace. I can't even lay my head on the pillow at night. I, I stress. I, I'm doing everything I can do to just try to try to keep a train of thought or keep sane. I want you to know something. There is peace for you today. Righteousness, peace, and joy. The next thing is if you're here and you're not right with the Lord, you can simply get right with the Lord right now. It is simply by you inviting Him in. This is how you do it. You say, well, Cricket, do I got to stop doing this? No. 
If you're about to pray this prayer with me, you don't have to do anything except pray this prayer because the Bible says you don't clean the cup up and bring it to the Lord. You give the cup to the Lord and He will clean the cup up. So I'm about to pray for somebody because I know you're here. I know you are. And you say, Cricket, I've been feeling the tug of God, the tug of the Holy Spirit on me to surrender to Him. But I haven't known how. I've been trying to figure it out. I want you to know something. You will never figure God out. But it doesn't mean you can't use the life that God has for you. I I don't know how this works. No idea. I'm not that smart. But I will be talking to people in at least six different states today on it. I don't know how to do that, but it's not going to keep me from getting the benefits of it. If you got to know everything about God, you'll never know God. What you do is you... Meet God, and then He begins to reveal Himself to you. And He will begin to show you. So if you're here and you say, Cricket, I need rest. I want you to come up right now and let these pray with you. If you're here and you say, Cricket, I need peace. You come up right now and let these pray with you. If you're here right now and you say, Cricket, I need to get right with God. I simply want you to simply raise your hand and put it right back down. Because I'm going to pray with you right where you are. If you need to surrender, if you know this is the moment for you to surrender to the call of God on your life, raise it, put it down, pray with me. Say, Dear Father, I ask you to forgive me for anything and everything that I have done in my own strength and under my own will. Forgive me for anything that has separated me from you. And Lord, right now I ask you to come inside of my life and become Lord. I surrender to you. I may not even know what that means right now. But God, I surrender to you and I give you permission to lead my life as my Lord. And as you lead, I will follow. The steps you tell me to take, I will take. And I thank you, Father God, that as I walk out of here right now, I am no longer empty, but I am full of the presence of God in my life. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen.